And it's so and are you excited ahead. by Unleash you, you, to go? Yeah, definitely. So is is the uh, is the cocktail hour in my calendar? Have we been invited? You have. I I don't know if we've in, done any invitations. Yeah, yet. it's not that you're not invited. We just locked it in. We've yeah. been trying okay, to find a place. <laughs> we do. We have. It'll be Tuesday. Uh, so I think we literally are just locking it in and signing all the, you know, all the fun paperwork that has to yeah. go for something like that. Yeah. Oh, a little, little so wine and cheese, a little wine and cheese. Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. It, it'll be small. It's not going to be as fancy as others, but we'll, we'll have a, um, we'll have some interesting characters for sure. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I'm looking forward to Unleash. Yeah. This is, I think, um, was it on the, was it on the podcast? The last podcast we did, Jerry, we were talking about this is kind of the return to, I think, the first full sort of return to post-pandemic conferencing for a lot of us. Yeah, it is, and and you've got a nice panel. Um, yeah, I've got a I've got a judging thing, so I just close my eyes and listen to what all the other weirdos who are judges are going to do, and then try to do the opposite or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, let's see. I have um, I've Wells Fargo. I've um, Joanna Clark from Wells Fargo. Uh, we have Melissa Thompson from Ford. We have Yvette Stortz from CVS Health uh, at, on my panel. And we're going to be talking about transformation within TA. And if there were ever a group of uh, professionals that know a little bit about transformation in TA, it's the journey those three have been on. Yeah, I think that'll work. Danielle uh, would have been great, but shes I think she's enjoying herself in, in South Africa right now. So, so she's always somewhere. I keep looking for pictures of her with a fish or, you know. But I think she may still be there. We may still see Danny there. And uh, when, Caitlin, when do you get in? Um, this is, that's a very good question. Um, it's <laughs> happening soon. Um, you're, you're as bad as I am. If it is not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. No, I cannot exactly. remember anything. Exactly. It has to be written down. Well, right. the thing is, is that I'm also going to PSYOP the week after. So okay. it's even remembering which one comes first. So, okay, Unleash comes the week before PSYOP. So that's good to know. Um, so I think, oh, no, no. PSYOP happens and then Unleash is the week after. So oh. I get into on the Tuesday night. Got it. The Tuesday. So I get in, yeah, like uh, there's the time difference. So like three, three o'clock on um, yeah. Vegas time on Tuesday. Good. Well, yeah. then you you're just gonna have to drop your stuff and come to the cocktail hour. It's we're from four thirty to six thirty. So yeah. Oh yeah, it is Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. No, I will come straight to. Uh, yeah. straight to I'll the make cocktail. sure you're there. We're actually speaking on, so I'm interviewing our customer uh, um, from Whirlpool on stage in front of everybody. He's got a PhD in IO psychology. And then we have uh, Dr. Neil Christensen um, on stage with us as well. So it's really cool. Uh, I think, I, well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I think the, the first time it really hit my radar was a couple of years ago. And I think last year we had a industry friend go, came back with a bunch of interesting insights. So it should yeah. be fun to hear. I think it's important for assessment to to be there. I really do because because the IOs are really good influencers inside the company. There's not a single check writer there, but 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 there are influencers, so that's a good thing. 
the thing that I've always found surprising, and I think we'll be able to talk about this is like, I just don't understand the divide. Like, I don't understand how you've got like this conference with, you know, Society of Industrial Organizational Psychology, which is the, you know, the, the study of work and humans right. in work yeah. and like understanding the humans. And then you've got HR and like, right. they don't, they don't, talk they, they don't talk. And they don't share information. Never, never the two shall meet. Yeah. And, right. and there's, there's this barrier. And that's really been, um, it's kind of the heart of like, nobody talks about that. You know, there, there's so many things that we agree on and have a similar perspective on and different expertise to pull on. But, but it's, it's not, it's not being treated like this is an opportunity. Anyway, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting to walk into this and be in both worlds and yeah. not see the worlds talking to each other and not seeing the worlds being respected by each other and not seeing that this is like we need to come together if the type of change that we're all trying to create post-pandemic world is going to happen it's going to it's going to take this kind of collaboration yeah i was there with a couple io psych folks on a panel talking about the data we were collecting from the candidate experience awards and i and the the phds in the room were going holy shit, you had how many? You had what? And, and they, they, were, they, they were just blown away by the data that we had. But, but then, you know, they don't do anything. They don't go back and deal with it, you know, so. Okay, well, we're going to talk about assessments. We're going to talk about that. Are we ready? Are we ready to jump in? Yeah. All right, let's hit the button. Let's go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Chris Hoyt, your host for the next half an hour or so of Recruiting Community, and I've got with me my soulmate, Jerry Crispin. Jerry, how are you today? I'm just fabulous. <laughs> so we've got, uh, we have an interesting topic today. Before we jump in, though, I want to do a quick share out uh, and a reminder to anybody who's joining us. Uh, we are typically streaming on the YouTube, the Twitter, the Facebook, the LinkedIn. Uh, and of course, cxr.work slash podcast. Uh, you can check us out there. You can also subscribe on any of the other places that you may listen. So be sure to listen and like and do all that good stuff that helps us promote this. This is um, uh, an interesting labor of love for us. This is the episode 300 and some odd. Uh, so we're supposedly getting proficient at this or an expert at this. I forget how that works, the hours that we've put in. Uh, but it is a labor of love. This does not generate any revenue. Nobody pays to be here. Uh, it is because we invite folks who are here doing cool stuff who we think are super smart uh, or maybe even just super funny. Uh, we probably have a little bit of that, uh, both of that today, which I'm super stoked about because we got a fun topic today, assessments. We're going to talk a little bit about assessments and what those kind of mean because we got a lot of folks that are sort of working through those. But Jerry, before yeah. we do that, uh, I want to share, we had an update uh, that came out on the, the community this week, on the CXR community this week called Networks. Uh, and this, I'm super pumped about this. So if you are a CXR member, whether alumni or current member, and you are registered on the site, uh, if you're not, shame on you, go register. But if you're registered on the site, now within your profile, 
there is a dynamically created by chat GPT. There is a dynamically created, uh, it's not chat GPT, but it's, it's a, it's a networking feature. So if you have, uh, if you were in the same city as someone within, I think we have 4,500 some odd people that are registered alumni and current members. If you're in the same city, you're going to pop up with like an Austin link there and you're going to see all of your, uh, your counterparts that are in Austin or in Texas or in New Jersey or no longer New Jersey, where you may be. Uh, it also will dynamically update for folks who have been to our online meetings uh, or if you have been to a live meeting, like we just recently did the marketing and branding, you can easily click that and see everybody that's connected there, job title, uh, areas of interest, and so on and so forth. That is a big update uh, this week that I'm, I'm pretty stoked about. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Super chatty today. Jerry is super chatty. He's ready. He's ready in chatted up mode. <laughs> Okay, well, let's jump in. So we have uh, a fantastic guest today. Uh, I don't believe it is her first time on the show. Caitlin, how are you? Fine, thank you. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we love having you on. So so let's do this. Um, for those who may not know who Caitlin McGregor is, uh, why don't you give us kind of that escalator pitch? So kind of give a little bit of a background, a minute or two, to just kind of give us some reference point for the conversation we're going to have and why they should be paying attention to what you say today. So my name is Caitlin McGregor. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Plum. And we have taken best-in-class industrial organizational psychology and married it with technology so that we can scale to every candidate and every employee and really understand the human behind the work and use data that is four times more accurate than a resume at predicting on-the-job success and increasing retention and diversity, equity, and inclusion. I love that. And how, how long have you been doing that work, Caitlin? It's been just over a decade. How's that feel? Amazing. <laughs> we have incredible uh, proof points and uh, reference customers that are singing our praises. We were just on the cover of the business section of the New York Times. Um, and we've got some incredible uh, case studies to, to reference as well as new ones coming out. And so, you know, when we were talking about the science, you need the track record and the history and the evidence to show the proof. And so it feels really good to have all of that and to have, you know, we're in 26 countries globally with large global enterprise customers. So it takes time to get there and it, it feels really good. And it feels like the market, you know, every conversation that we have, it's not about assessments. It's about the labor crisis and how to solve for the fact that there's not enough skilled talent and you can't hold on to the talent you have. And it feels really good to know that Plum can solve for this, the macro conditions that every company is trying to figure out how to solve for. I love that. I, love, I, I see. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. No, I was just going to say, you know, this, it's the science issue. Um, we, we tend to think of our profession as art and science, but unfortunately in most, most places, the art is way more than the science. And, and fundamentally, we need a better balance, and especially in that choke point of where we select, as well as where the candidate selects. And I'm, I'm just a fan of the fact that we need better tools to do that. Thank yeah, you. It's, it, it is interesting. I just had this conversation with the head of HR uh, a few days ago, where the conversation was like, where, where does the art and science argument like where, where do, is it a spectrum for every job or is it, you know, all the way to chef, right? Which was kind of the topic that got it started, not just in recruiting and, and talent acquisition, but, you know, how, how, how much science is there really? How much art is there really? How much do we credit to art? 
but it's actually science that's learned and behavior for us, that sort of thing. So the, the, the idea of doing assessments for talent, I think, can be uh, super interesting for a TA leader or could be petrifying. Like it could really like scare the shit out of you. And you're not, you know, you're necessarily not sure what to do. Caitlin, not from a plum perspective, but from a Caitlin McGregor expert in the space decade, you know, talking about this stuff perspective, what would you tell a TA leader who's sort of thinking about assessments and and doesn't really know much about them other than like a Hogan, right? That's the type of thing they're familiar with. I think there's there's so many things to say, but I, I think a really great place to start is on common ground that I think most, I don't think there's a singer, single talent acquisition leader that would disagree that structured interviews, we can all agree that when it comes to art and science, mm-hmm. structured interviews is something that everyone will say, yes, a rigorous structured interview process, that's critical for success. Nobody's like, nope, we don't need that anymore. Everyone will say, if we want to make sure that we are being fair and equitable, we're going to have structured interviews as part of the process. So we can all agree with that. Where the difference of opinion starts to happen is, what are you doing before that structured interview? So if we all agree that common ground, that's a necessary process, then the question is who Are you using your valuable human hours on in that structured interview? And in the age of chat GPT, you can take your, you know, resume and you can take a job description and say, give me the perfect cover letter and the perfect resume that'll get me to that structured interview. That's not like we've known for a long time that resumes were something that was designed over a hundred years ago to, you know, show you that top, you know, 3% or 5% of the population that had gone to university and all those things. We know that inner, you know, resumes don't work in 2023, but we're terrified on what's the alternative. And so then we go to technology and say, okay, well, we're going to let technology automate it. But if you look at every job board, applicant tracking system, human capital management system, the way that they are deciding who gets to go to that structured interview is some form of resume parsing and taking a bag of keywords from a resume and matching it to a bag of keywords from a job description, which now with ChatGPT can be completely gamed. And so it's really about, let's pause and look at in 2023, what are our options of getting people to that structured interview process? And what is the most objective, fairest, most scientifically valid to ensure that you're having the right conversations with the right people? And most people don't think about assessments that way. They start with Myers-Briggs and what they know about Myers-Briggs or a DISC assessment. And so it's, it's helpful to take a step back and say, okay, You know, in World War II, assessments were created to help as men re-entered the workforce after coming back from the war, how to get along with women that had taken over their jobs. That's where things started. And that's where Myers-Briggs was developed. That's where DISC assessments came out of. A lot has changed (laughs) since then. Please stop making that the benchmark for how we think about assessments in 2023. Like, that's like saying, you 
know, your understanding of a telephone is like a can with a wire, you know, with a string in between. Like that, that does not, that's not fair anymore. So the big part is we need to let go of that being our perception because yes, I will agree with every single person. Myers-Briggs is, Myers-Briggs is not supported by any third party. You know, it is not peer reviewed. It is not scientifically accurate. Their own website says you can't use it for, um, you know, for selection. So like, well, it might be nice and fun to do and maybe have an interesting conversation between you and your colleague. It's not science. Things like DISC are incredibly outdated. So it's really important to look at what's the gold standard that has been put in place in the last 30 years where there's consensus and really look at the field. Industrial organizational psychology is the science of human behavior in the workplace. And it's a real science, you know, and there's really, really strong proven gold standards on what works. And now it's about, now that we know this, how do we make it accessible and actionable? And that's the challenge. So I guess, well, I love the passion. I, I, I guess, I guess what, what I'm asking is, if historically, right, a lot of those tests have been reserved for sort of the executive level, right? Like I remember taking one of those and figuring out I was a red penguin, uh, and this this was supposed to be my, my delivery. Sorry about that. Was to be. <laughs> like I, I don't know what to do with that other than to your point, like I'm supposed to hang out with blue birds. Like I'm supposed, you know, whatever whatever the other you know animals and colors and quadrants were. But yeah. so so our, what I think I hear you saying is. We don't have to just keep assessments at the executive level anymore. We can do away with the basic keyword stuff that we've been doing for years, how we know to look for the best candidate in our platforms. Are you? But are you saying at every level? Are you saying if, if I'm going to really take this on, am I doing away with the profiles completely and resumes? Should everybody that's going to come into my org take one of these? Okay. So all really, really, really great questions. I have to address the red penguin. <laughs> I can't not. So, you know, in the last 40 years, as we start to get consensus around what is the best way of doing this, you ended up in another trap where, you know, you have all of these people that understand the science behind it, these PhDs in industrial organizational psychology, but they're trying to figure out how to make it actionable. And the reality is, is the entire industry was spun up around consulting services and using assessments to basically support consulting services. And the mm -hmm. business model of consulting services is, I'm not going to make this super easy because then you won't need me anymore. I need to make this complex so I can charge big dollars and then I have a business. Oh, and so what happened is because it was so expensive, it got relegated to you know executive roles or it got relegated into positions that are high volume where you only need to do an analysis for a single job but you're hiring hundreds or thousands of people into that job to in that model to match somebody to a job it's 140 hours of analysis which means benchmarking figuring out how to match somebody to a role would be 20 to 25 thousand dollars per position so everything that was designed kind of 30, 40 years ago, it was never meant to scale by design. Hmm. And then you started having technology companies popping up and they're like, oh, you know, let's make this so it can scale. And they cut a shitload of corners. Sorry, I said, wasn't gonna jump, <laughs> but you know, 
because they wanted to make it so accessible, but in yeah. trying to make it so accessible, you know, take two minutes clicking on pretty pictures or, you know, popping bubbles, they cut out so much of the science that it wouldn't work for enterprise companies that have huge obligations to follow, you know, compliance and, you know, regulations. And so you had these two spectrums of very expensive and very convoluted. You need a special decoder ring to understand it. And then you had these really oversimplified, you know, technology solutions that, you know, could scale and were fun, but not scientific. And so to answer your question, it's that you've got to jump into the last decade and say, you know, are there providers out there that are taking the best in class in the science and really sticking to that you can put this in front of a thousand industrial organizational psychologists and they'll be like, yep, they're following best practices. Is there the technical manual? And is it accessible? Can it scale? Can it provide value? Have they democratized access to this data so it looks like something designed for 2023? So, boy, that's a, just a mouthful. I just love it. It's, it's you know, if, if I unpack pieces of it, it is, it's, uh, does, does the candidate understand what it is you're doing, right? That's face validity from that point of view. And most IO psychologists in the past have not, have just ignored that. Mm -hmm. Is Does the candidate believe that this has anything to do with the job that I might be interested in working for? So one, one aspect of that is that in terms of that. And the, and, and really the other is, is exactly what you said is that in order to make money, it's gotta be complicated <laughs> and, and somebody has to unpack it, uh, to be able to better understand at all levels. We all have a responsibility to understand whether it's reliable, whether or not, if I took the test twice, would I get total two totally yeah. different answers to this? My, my penguin color yeah. And and it can't be any more predictive than it is reliable. So if its reliability is like one in ten, it it's only going to predict one in ten, and you could flip a coin and get better better odds than that. So I'm just a fan of the fact that we are starting to re uh, to rekindle, if you will, an interest in using science to to uh, to supplement, if you will what we know we need to be doing in recruiting. And, and fundamentally, it does mean that we're going to be upskilling recruiters, upskilling TA leaders. Sure. Um, we're going to have to partner with people who understand IO psych, um, and especially in large companies where we have uh, volume. So, Caitlin, let me ask you. So, Jerry and I have been, we, we're joking saying chat GPTs and everything lately. Like, we're not really here. These are our chatbots. But... It is pushing, and we know that it's going to continue to push exponentially, like change, right? And, and a shift in how people do things on, on a couple of different levels. Would you say the same in the assessment space uh, from an automation standpoint? Or would you say that it will accelerate the interest in assessments uh, because of that? I mean, is it is it one way over the other? The latter. So, you know, right now, take a step into looking at those structured interviews, mm -hmm. right? So the need for those in like live structured interviews are going to get more and more emphasis because everything else around it might be gained. 
So then it's like, okay, well, how do we decide who comes into that structured interview? The great thing about assessments that are done right and are following all these best practices is that you can get almost the same level of accuracy from an assessment as you can from a structured interview, which means the assessment can be given to every single candidate or every single employee if you're looking at internal mobility so that you can then screen in the right people to then go to that structured interview. So as the data from resumes becomes more, it's always been crap, but as the rest of the world starts to realize with chat GPT that you can't rely on it, it'll move towards, okay, what is objective, fair, predictive data that we can use to bring the right people into structured interviews? And that is why you're seeing an increase in interest and an increase in spend in assessments. You know, the one, the one thing that I'm loving in, in this conversation is if you're right, and I think you are, the, <laughs> the data says that it's going this the way. The data says we're going to do this, but I, I love the emphasis on structured interviews because I will tell you uh -huh. that if I took five people who say they know structure or give structured interviews, uh -huh. I will get five different definitions, five different methods for creating that structured interview, some of which will, and most of which will embody part of what is probably in your mind when, if I asked you to define exactly how all that should take place, but, but fundamentally we're going to have to set standards in our profession for what a structured interview should entail. What are the critical elements? How do we get to those critical elements? And, uh, and how to, you know, so that we could reliably do a structured interview uh, at any point in time. But, are we, but I want to make sure we're saying, I want to make sure we're saying and hearing the same thing. So is, is the data showing us that assessments on the front end lead to better structured interviews, behavioral interviews, or, or is the data saying these can be done, these assessments can be done instead of having to do structured either what it's saying is that you know if you get a thousand people you everybody will say i don't have time you know i'm giving i'm not giving more than a few seconds to each resume which means i'm probably using some sort of resume parsing yep. right and i'm i'm looking at a short list of of resumes to then decide who's going to come in for a structured interview when you use an assessment that's looking at people's transferable innate talents like innovation communication execution and how they align to the behavioral needs of a job, mm -hmm. especially what, what we're trying to get at. We're saying that that data, that alignment between what somebody naturally is good at and what is naturally needed in the job, that when you find that match and you have somebody that's like a 99 match or a 98 match or 80 match, what's happening is that you're getting a short list of people that you're looking at that's completely different than what they've done historically. And what we're trying to say is like, you may have things like I need somebody that has 10 years of experience in our industry with a competitor doing X, Y, and Z. Right. They may have all of that, but they were a ship performer, you right. know, but they have all of that and they'll get through to do the structured interview with chat GPT and things like that. They'll be, you know, they'll be able to check a lot of boxes and maybe squeeze through where they couldn't have before with something that is an assessment you're going to now see people that maybe have five years of experience and maybe worked in a different industry, but are a 99 match. Meaning if you gave them three months of additional on the job training 
or six months on the job training, they may actually be able to outperform that person with 10 years of experience. Hmm. And you may be able to pay them less and you may be able to actually get them to stay in that job for now twice as long or three times as long because they are grateful that you brought them into that industry at five years instead of that person that was at 10 years. And so you're, you're interviewing, your structured interview is you're interviewing completely different people. And it's not that that other data doesn't matter, but it's you're seeing people at the top and then using your judgment is five years actually okay if they have 99? You're seeing the system, you're seeing the people that the system that we've been using forever favors. So, so what I, it occurs to me as you're saying that, that this will also greatly diversify uh, ideally yes. that pool of people that, that gets whittled down for you in advance. It changes the way that we reorder the funnel. And, and so that funnel typically gets whittled down by humans who are screening very quickly on the basis of their bias mm -hmm. to get to what they think are a smaller pool of folks who we should spend more time or energy on. And somewhere in there, there might be an assessment. But the fundamentally, what I'm hearing from Caitlin is we could be doing this at the top of the funnel or closer to the top of the funnel and fundamentally then be operating more seriously with a structured approach with a with a fewer people but a, a better band of those who would be more successful well, and and less bias less, less bias, bias so therefore equation. more diverse yeah like we've taken out like 50% of where we typically apply the biases Exactly. And like, and think about it, this doesn't just apply. I mean, we talk about talent acquisition often as if we are sourcing outside the organization, but more and more TA leaders are in a position where they can source internally with their existing employees. And think about it all the time when people get to senior levels, they'll be like, oh, they've been in marketing for a decade, but we need somebody in HR to help us with employee branding. Now we're going to pull somebody from a totally different background and a totally different department and pull them into a new role and they excel. But it's so hard to be able to do that unless you have kind of that network effect of that that hiring manager knows somebody that referred them, you know, and it's all about who you know internally sometimes to get those cross-departmental opportunities. But this is what we need to increase retention in 2023 is people want those growth opportunities. So when you have this assessment data, you can now match people internally to your open roles that don't fit the traditional, you know, past experience uh, check marks, but have those transferable soft skills that'll allow them to perform if just given the opportunity. So when you go to ISO, are you going to be doing some case studies relative to essentially that happening so yeah to the psyop conference yeah yeah we're on stage with whirlpool uh talking about their success so they increased you know retention by 77 percent you know they increased their uh, hiring of underrepresented minorities to 78 percent and so we'll be talking about the impacts on de i the impacts um, of being able to screen in people they weren't looking at before and increasing retention and talking about using this also to identify leadership potential. You know, nothing about past experience actually predicts if you're going to be a successful people leader. It's all about these innate talents and whether or not you were actually, do you want to solve the problem yourself or do you want to help other people and you know, help their problems, help them with their problems and be a people leader. And, and you can assess for all of that very early in people's careers. I think SIAP will be a good practice 
for then doing that same case study with with some of the TA leaders who are in a position to actually use the data. But but um, but I have I have a question for that because it's and this I want to come at it sideways. So I had a talk with a, a leader yet literally yesterday, who her passion is internal mobility, and we talked for about an hour about what that means at an organization. And I think she and I agreed that the, one of the biggest challenges to internal mobility is the cultural issue of stealing my talent. It's not my, it's not the company's talent. It's my talent. It's my team, et cetera. Caitlin, I'm just curious, implementing something like this internally, have you seen if having the data, uh, having an assessment like this helps with that cultural challenge at all? Or is that just still, that challenge is just going to be there until it gets addressed? The bigger business problem right now is the amount of money that is being lost by the company on employee turnover. You know, it's 11 billion alone in the US that mm -hmm. is lost every year on employee turnover. You saw in November the Amazon leaked documents, they're losing 8 billion a year on employee yeah. turnover. There isn't a single level of role where they have better than 30% you know, retention. And so they're losing 70% of the people. So there's a, there's a, at the boardroom table, at the executive table, there's a massive crisis that they're just trying to hold on to their people. The best way to hold on to your people is to provide development. And part of that development and growth is new opportunities within the organization. So the need of the organization is now becoming a bigger priority than the individual managers that are trying to make sure that they keep hitting their targets and getting rewarded by holding on and hoarding their, their people. There is this sentiment of change that, you know, the talent is the IP of the company. Mm -hmm. You know, it is up to the company to maximize its people. And it's not about the manager's need. It's about how do we hold on to these people? And I'd say this part of the power balance, like post pandemic world, people can, shop around and find jobs without changing geographic locations. It's easier than ever. And so companies are having to change in order to keep up with this. And it, it's the message is very, very clear. If you can capture better development opportunities and internal mobility opportunities for your employees, it'll dramatically improve your retention. And that part of that's identifying diverse leaders early on and providing those opportunities where they wouldn't have get them elsewhere. It's a holistic process of really looking at, you know, and the other part of it, it came up earlier is that a lot of solutions in HR tech, in the talent management space, especially have always been top down. It's about the manager, it's about HR, and the employees are kind of recipients of programming. A lot of solving this is actually empowering the individual so that it's, they see the opportunities, they are empowered to take more steps for growth and development and, and put their hand up for internal opportunities. So by empowering the individuals to have that value, you're also kind of removing that gating factor of the manager being the one to recommend them or the manager, you know, you know, putting their name forward. Sure. So there's an ability to involve the employees more um, in the process and removing some of those previous gating problems. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's early on to know that if if bringing in the technology like that and data like that helps to sort of squash that 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 mentality, right? That feeling of that you know that piece, which of course leads to all other 
you know, all kinds of other cool things like, you know, succession planning and, ben, you know, got to have your bench and internal development and training. I think, Jerry, early on when the pandemic, I think between the murder of George Floyd and the, the pandemic really getting, you know, turned on at organizations, uh, I think we were saying there were a couple of areas that if everybody focused on, if they really doubled down on at that time, would, would have benefited them coming out. And here we are. But it was going to be internal mobility and it was going to be learning and development that point and it is and it will continue to be and and the cultural the, i wouldn't call it cultural I'd, there's embedded policies that are no longer useless of value they are they're outmoded approaches that basically say you know how long should a person be in a job before i allow them to move to oh, another time job. and title time and grade yeah yeah time and, grade. and 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 those things support those managers uh, attitudes and behaviors yeah. that relate to oh well, this is my person for as long as i want them you know 2 years and i'm not ready to let them go etc and it's not it should not be their decision it should it should have to do with what the company is attempting to accomplish and the speed with which somebody who's performing, even if it was only for a short period of time, might be able to demonstrate that they could perform in a way that added more value to the corporation. And, and if that happens, you have all kinds of people motivated to move around within the organization. The, the organization then needs to upskill managers to manage new people coming in and through well, and that, to that, reward them for developing them internally. It's a whole ecosystem that, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to see if we can do it. And certainly uh, quality assessments are going to be a fundamental means to accomplish that. So so I'll have two. I got two questions for you, Caitlin, before we let you go. The first one is um, outside of obviously Plum.io, where would you send somebody who's a TA leader who's looking to learn more about uh, the validity of assessments for, for talent mobility or for talent attraction? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, seriously, our website, you know, we've got ebooks that talk about the space in general, um, which can be helpful. You know, part of it is that the education piece. I also think, you know, we allow people to take the assessment at no cost to try it out themselves just to get an understanding of how far things have evolved. And Jerry talked about it earlier. Um, you've got to start with a solution that really provides value to that individual. So a TA leader, you know, completing the assessment, seeing the value for them on their own career journey, you know, is really helpful to have that firsthand experience. It kind of demystifies, you know, that old perception of what it is. And you can see that the amount of actionable data, and then you start to say, okay, well, if this is valuable to me, would this be valuable to 170,000 people at my organization or 100 people in my organization, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, we have a customer that that has deployed this in 27, 26 countries globally to 170,000 employees. And and this is step one of retention uh, for them. This is part of onboarding every employee. So I do think that it at least gives them an understanding of how to rethink uh, about this. And then I'd say, you know, there, this is a, there is a society for industrial organizational psychology. They've got a, a conference coming up. You know, there seems to be some fear or polarization, uh, you know, um, the, where TA leaders and IO psychologists aren't talking to each other. And so not always, but sometimes. And so I think, you know, going down that rabbit hole of looking at 
things that are on PSYOP's website and, and looking at kind of what are the discussions happening from that side. There's a, they, this is their craft and there is a science and rigor behind it. And there's a lot of consensus and best practices that are agreed upon there that are, are good to get familiar with. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. All right. So Kaylin, my next question, we ask all of our guests this at the end of the show. If you're going to write a book on an, on the state of assessment or the future of assessment for employment, what what would you title that book and why? That is such a great question. You were talking about bringing on funny people before, and I'm like, oh, what's the witty way? You know, <laughs> to do this something something along the lines like, if you want to be people centric, let's start with understanding your people. Here's the way to do it in an objective fair scientific way it is the longest book title we've had mentioned but i do appreciate <laughs> i do appreciate where you're coming from caitlin who do you give the first signed copy to uh you guys of can't, course can't give it to us that's the, that's the only rule can't can't give it to us the first, the first person i give it to oh my goodness um that is a you know honestly my kids and i'll tell you why oh. my kids are going to be entering the workforce in the next 10 years and I don't care if they become doctors, lawyers, nurses, teachers. I just want them to find careers that make them happy, fulfilled, and allow them to thrive, you know? And when I look around, I genuinely know that we can help make that happen. And I'm doing this because I want to give them a better future than the current way that people are finding jobs, whether or not it's right out of school or mid-career. We need to be matching people to jobs that allow them to flourish. And as a result, businesses will thrive. And that's what that's what I'm doing. I love that. That's some that's some that's the feels right there. You got me in the feels. I love that. Well, Caitlin, um, thank you so much for giving us uh, so much of your time today. I know you're super busy we and we really appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you at Unleash. Uh, that's coming up pretty soon. I'm going to put you in the green room again. Much gratitude. Don't go anywhere. Hang out for a second, will you? Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, really quickly, Jerry, on the way out, we want to remind everybody, I think I even have, look at that, whammo, cxr.work slash events. So that's going to take you to the calendar if you're listening or watching, cxr.work slash events. You're going to find all of the um, uh, upcoming scheduled events for us. You're also going to find events where Jerry and I will be at. Jerry's got an event coming up where he's speaking. Uh, we're doing some roundtable work. We've got a HR.com Endeavor event coming up. Uh, so we're, we're excited. We got a, we got a bunch of things on the calendar. So check that out. It's not just for uh, the current members, but you can see what's going on there. And then uh, lastly, I'll just remind everybody, because uh, I think we mentioned, check out a book title. There is a new book going on in the book club. How do you get that up there? There it is. Uh, that we're actually reading. This is by Greg McCowan. It's called Essentialism. If you haven't seen it already, I encourage you to check it out. You still have time. Uh, and the CXR Book Club is actually opened to everybody. So that is wide open if you're in the recruiting space uh, and you want to come in and just sit down. We got a really great readers list that we are curating from our leaders uh, to talk about what's going on in the space and what they think folks should be reading about. Some of those books that are coming in, they're kind of interesting selections and others are actually pretty, pretty no brainers. So they're going to be kind of fun list for us to go through. Jerry, you got anything else you want to share with everybody before we tell them good night? In May, I'm taking a delegation along with Barb to, to Israel. That's right. Uh, we're going to be checking out Israel from a perspective of, um, you know, their policies, how they engage people to work, 
how hiring takes place there. We're going to have a lot of interesting career development, professional development meetings. We got about 15 people going to that. So we, we, our challenge is figuring out how we can share what we're learning uh, without getting us thrown out of Israel before before we want to come back. And it's not your first delegation. You've done this for those who are no. listening. You've done it to Cuba. We've done it to... Uh, first delegation to of HR to Cuba in 60 years. Yeah. So yes, we've got some really interesting uh, places behind us. Yeah, is it too is it too late for people to sign up? Is there still time? No, I I think it's kind of too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang out for the pictures. That's what, yeah. the summary. Yeah, exactly. All right, good stuff to everybody who's listening. Thanks so much. Don't forget to hit subscribe so we can track the eight people that are listening, and we appreciate it. We'll we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh, 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 oh